Howdy. Uh, this is Mystery of Parenthood, and you are listening to uh, to us today. And we ask that you just uh, join us, slow down, and listen to uh, what we have to talk to. Please um, join us as we pray our opening prayer and then get started. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love, with the Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray, pray for, for us. us. St. Michael the Archangel. Pray, pray for, for us. St. Gabriel the Archangel. Pray, pray for, for us. St. John Paul II. Pray, pray for, for us. us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hey, yeah, so, um, you know, school started and, and things are going. We, we were talking, um, I guess Thaddeus and I had been talking and looking at some things, both that had happened experientially as, as a child, you know, okay, like y'all, I have one here at Texas A&M and then I have one at the University of Texas. I can hear the, I can hear the hissing <laughs> now, but while I don't know what, what it, things are like as a freshman, cause my, my daughter transferred as a junior, I do know what it's like for a, for a freshman coming from college station high school and entering into the University of Texas know that um, vast <laughs> things that have never been seen before uh, or even maybe even talked about here with regard to like the parts of this, of what happens in life now, the transgenderism and those type of things become kind of put out there and maybe even imposed to a certain extent on, on students. And so like when he went to his, when he went to his, um, it's not what we're going to talk about here, but he went to his uh, orientation, you know, he had to sit through a, an hour long kind of, this is how it is and exposed them to a, a lot of things. I think he was aware of them, but I mean, it was more coming from a position of authority, not somebody else saying, Hey, this is, you know, how we look at gender. This is how, and it, and it's not consistent with what he had been taught, nor is it consistent with what the church teaches. And so that kind of opened up, uh, well, what's going on in universities now and what can we as parents and particularly as Catholic parents do to lay a foundation so that when they go off and, and maybe even protect, we've talked about things that maybe as parents we can, we can do to protect them and shield them from it. But to the extent that we can almost be certain that we can't shield them from everything, at some point we have to um, take the proverbial bull by the horns and, <laughs> and figure out how to deal with it and how to help them deal with that. So, um, Thaddeus is here with me and how you doing Trey I'm doing great and I and I just you know like I said in this day and age I think that in, in a world of you know relativism and things occurring that me at 53 never thought would have occurred and even 10 years ago I probably would if you told me some of the stuff that's going on in the church and outside of the church I would have I would have laughed or <laughs> there's no way that's going to happen or whatever. And so, um, I think that, you know, I, I gave a talk recently on sin and salvation and, um, what I realized as I was going through it is lots of times we don't, we don't have many people that believe that we even need a savior because they don't recognize sin. 
They they don't um, they don't recognize it as even an entity. I mean that everybody's okay doing what they're what they're they're doing, and moral acts can be judged based on how a person's conscience is or whatever. And it, it becomes very vague, and that's counter to what we have, which is again why we need a savior. And the only and the reason we need a savior is because sin is pervasive. But I think sometimes things can be going so well in certain aspects and certain cultures in terms of, you know, materially and other things that that we can kind of look past the sinfulness in terms of we don't get impacted by it as much. And we can kind of protect ourselves from it and kind of, you know, live in our own little corner and and be protected. And and even if we were to recognize sin, we can kind of stay away from it. But the reality is we're all sinners. <laughs> you know, every one of us is a sinner, and we're all in need of a Savior. And I think a lot of what's going on here is really, I'm not, not saying a culmination, but it certainly is a coming together in, in much more um, manifest or evident ways, this collision between this idea of relativism where, where my truth is my truth and your truth is yours and it, and there really doesn't there's no truth that really exists and a collision of oh yeah there is truth and 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 how we respond to that truth determines whether it's a good act or a bad act a moral act or a sinful act and those are colliding it seems like um in every way, shape, and form that I could ever imagine, in ways I never thought that I would ever happen, both inside the church and out. And while we're not going to get into, I don't think, specific things or get into the, what I do want to focus on is, well, what can we do as parents in terms of the faith and helping to prepare our kids as they go out into this world? Because while he was exposed to things maybe at the, at the University of Texas in his freshman year in his first little orientation that that I could never have foreseen. I do know that many of my kids, even at, at, a, at a fine school like College Station High School, get exposed to things that I never would have thought <laughs> would have happened either. So I think this is not just about preparing your child for college. It's about laying kind of the groundwork for how do we – receive information? How should we receive it? How do we evaluate it for its truth, accuracy, etc.? Teaching our kids that, that you don't listen to and buy everything that somebody's selling. And then how do we in a loving um, manner react to that? And how do we go out into the world and actually be able to interact with people who hold different <laughs> viewpoints from us? And so I, I don't know if you thought that was that sound like a reasonable way to go at it. Yeah, I think so. And I, I think um, we're also coming down to what we're coming down to is um, how compatible is identity politics with Catholic truth? Right. You know, yeah. that's that's kind of what it comes down to. Um can you legitimately, for, as you know, in, a, in terms of an intellectual question, can you hold to Catholic truth and operate out of an identity politics worldview? Because that's what these first-year experiences are um, promulgating. What they're Right, and so so teaching he, what 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 he's referring to there is he he Thaddeus sent me an an article, and I think in response to I'd mentioned some of the stuff yeah, but with 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 grace and it happened and, it kind of just was providential. It ran across my radar screen, and I thought, oh, this speaks exactly to what you know Trey was telling. Right, me. and I did I did send it to my to my son who I received a text at one thirty, saying, Dad, I had I hadn't had a chance to read it yet, <laughs> so. Hopefully that means he's taking care of his own stuff. I'm sure that's what it is. <laughs> I'm sure at one thirty, but but um, but I I I've, I find it. This is kind of going back, and it it talks about kind of the history of where this came from. Now now, 
I, I want to point this out, and it's something that's kind of a little bit of an aside, but I think it's really important. These people that are doing this have developed a plan. They've been purposeful in what they're doing. That's why we must be purposeful in response as parents. Okay, we have to think about what are we trying to accomplish here and, and what are we doing day to day to do that? What pennies are we putting in the proverbial, you know, pig, p- piggy bank of our children that over time is going to be able to allow them to go? But, but this reference is, I mean, I, it, it sounded like in the 70s where they came through and said they were want, they're wanting to try to frame. I think the, the initial thing was it was following some sort of riot or something and and uh and a guy said we need to make our students love our love our university and so we're going to do this experience to do that but what it kind of devolved into was um was more of a teaching them a way to think and that's where we have to come in if if they've never been taught a way to think and this is their first experience where somebody's trying to, to show them a way of handling something, then our kids are going to be at a loss, and, and they're going to begin to question. Um, we can't hide forever. Um, we have to know, tell them or let them know. And sometimes, like in high school, you'll have situations, and again, this is part of the responding as things happen. When a situation comes up, you've got to be able to say, okay, that's incorrect. Here's what we think. That's that worldview. This is our worldview. And so we as Catholics need to understand the way we, we look at it. We, I mean, frame a reference. Truth exists. <laughs> um, truth is discoverable, and truth ultimately is a person. Mm-hmm. That's what we that's what we believe. The truth is not just something, it is someone. And when we look at it that way, and when we realize that that someone is Jesus Christ, and he came to deliver the truth, then we can measure acts, thoughts, deeds, in accordance with what is true. And the extent to which we follow that truth and, and, and make our actions go in line with that truth is the extent to which it's Right. The extent to which we go away from, deny, or completely go the opposite direction of what is true is what we would call sin. (laughs) It's missing the mark of what we're called to. So we have to spend our lives teaching our kids that truth exists, that it is separate from us, that it is not something but is rather someone, and that someone is Jesus, and that we measure ourselves and our actions and our thoughts and our words and our deeds against that standard. I mean, one of the most, one of the moments that I remember in my early on in my conversion is sitting next to my, my good, at the time, Baptist friend. And he was having us go through things that we had fallen short of the mark on. And I remember thinking and maybe even saying, well, I'm I'm better than the guy next door, or I'm better than that guy. And he, point blank, said, that guy's not the standard. <laughs> Jesus is the standard. Right. And because Jesus is the standard, we have to know two things for sure. Number one, you will fall short of it. You You are a sinner. And number two, he still calls us to that holiness. And that's how we have to look at it. So, And we can trust in his mercy. We can trust in the fact that he knows we're sinners. That's the reason he came and died on the cross for us. And so that's the worldview that we must take it. Truth exists. It's separate from me. It doesn't matter what I think is true. <laughs> it matters what is the truth. And the truth is a person in Jesus Christ. That's going to be countercultural even more evidently now, but it has always been countercultural. Because, I mean, what does Pilate say when he's looking at Jesus? What is truth? You know, I mean, people are asking the question. They continue to ask the question, what is truth? Well, truth is our friend. 
Truth is the one who died for us. Truth is the one that says, I know that you are falling short of my measuring stick, but I still love you. And I died for you for that. That's a completely different worldview than what they're selling in first year experiences. Yet I find this interesting. I'm going to read this. This was, um, this was in response. This was kind of, um, let's see, talking about the curriculum that they've come, that they came up with and kind of flowing from this idea of making them love the university and love the students that are there and kind of falling in love. At the end, it says, you know, um, the people who are teaching don't need a master, you know, need to master an academic discipline or impart an established body of knowledge. Um, they just, hold on, I got somebody came in here. They, they create a curriculum of what they want students to learn which usually involves the great deal of talk about diversity and inclusion. Now, those two words are the words that are they're quoted, diversity and inclusion. That's an echo of what the truth about the Trinity is. I, I've, so that's a starting point, I think. Mm, interesting. That's a starting point, I think, for maybe a discussion, because we've got to find what are we, what are we striving for? And the, the question becomes, diversity, what do we know about the, what do we know about not only, what do we know about God? How has he revealed himself? If Jesus is the truth, he came to reveal, the first thing he came to reveal, something that had never been known before, which is that God is trained. It's the number one in the hierarchy of truth. Jesus came to reveal that. We know that we're created in his image and likeness. And so, in God's image and likeness. So what we know about God, and this is why this, you know, the mystery of parenthood is so important, the, the idea of an outward sign of an invisible reality. Well, God is invisible. What do we know about God? God is one God, and I'm going to use this word loosely, but I think a unity, an inclusive unity, <laughs> everybody's in it. I'm, 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 not being theologically correct, but I'm trying to point out that we all want to be belong. And so, and so what we're sitting here, there's, they want, they want belonging inclusion. Well, God is unity, but he is diversity as well. Three persons, one God, three distinct persons, not versions of one person, but actually three distinct persons. Holding that intention is where the truth lies. And we've got to recognize that that points us to why, why is male and female? There's, there's in a marriage, which is a sign of that trinit, Trinitarian life in, in the sacrament of, ma, of holy matrimony, is male and female. The two shall become one. It's diversity and unity is the way it's supposed to be. So the church actually teaches what they're trying to get at here, right? I mean, they're saying that the reason they're doing this is because they want diversity and inclusion, which in a sense is diversity and union. So the, what they're doing is the human, I mean, we, we got to recognize that this is the worldview. What they think is that causes, that causes disunity or lack of inclusion is... What? Somebody holding to the I've got the truth or the truth exists and you fall outside the truth. They think that well, we got to get rid of all reference to the truth. Everybody's truth is just as good as anybody else's. And that's what's going to unify. We just keep saying, well, you don't really have a right to say that this is right or wrong. That's where we are. And that's the argument from the other side. What do we as Catholics say? We as Catholics say, based on the fact that God is tr truth and love, what do we do? We say that actual that actually God is the answer and that truth is what unifies. Truth is what unifies. And so 
it's it's our adherence to what is true that actually brings people together. So I mean, and do you understand that that so the the source of unity from the secular standpoint is let's just say everybody's fine as they are. The Catholic says that truth exists separate from us. Truth is a person, and, and we become one body with that truth to the extent that we live in union with it, and that is what unites. That is what includes us. And that what's being sold is a, is a complete counter to that, which is everybody needs to stand by themselves and feel included, but in fact they're part of nothing. They're just part of they're just able to stand in themselves. I, what I think is striking that you're talking about it on this um, pretty high right. metaphysical level and theological level is this increasingly it seems that um, progressivism has taken on the aspects of a pseudo-religion. No question. Okay, it has its own... Has its own human, its own its own anthropology, has its own rites and um, practices of worship. It has a its own um, catechism. Right. I mean, Th- these are these are catechism classes essentially. They're right. just they're masquerading as uh, some form of free inquiry, but really they're not because. Um, th- the source material is controlled, um, you know, is predetermined, just like it would be if you were going into a catechism class or an RCIA class. Right. Um, there are certain there are certain topics that even in a even in an RCIA class where someone who is coming from no Christian background at all could say, "Well, this is you know this is why I think there's not a God, or this is why I'm skeptical about this," but in order for the class, the, the RCIA class, to move forward for everyone else, there's some things that just can't be discussed. Like, they're just kind of out of bounds, you know, for class right. discussion. Right. There are certain premises that are just taken for granted in a RCIA class, and, and this the same thing is going on here. There are certain things that are the students are just not allowed to say. There are certain things that are just not allowed to be um, kind of offered. But... In an RCAA class or a catechism class, it's right up front that this is what you're getting. You're getting instructed in the Catholic faith. This right. is what the Catholic Church teaches. Right. This is what you are expected to believe, right. or at least assent to coming to believe, if you're going to be a member of this church. Right. And there's no, there's nothing like that here. Right, and I think I think it's interesting because you're right. Everybody, and this is important to tell your kids as they're older. There and I think, is nothing, yeah, and I think that's an important it's, strategy or thing to, to get out to them. Right. It's important, I think, to teach your kids that there is nothing that is put out there that is not coming from a, f- a framework, a way of looking at things. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't matter how much somebody says, you know, this is factual and I'm, I'm, I'm not part of any religion or faith, and so therefore I'm somehow... Um, more objective than somebody else. It, it, that's what happened. No, no. I mean, every, that in and of itself is a frame of reference, is a way of looking at things. And we as Catholics need to teach our kids that. So first off, I mean, we've talked about this before, but growing up, you need to tell them that it's important to know the truth and that ultimately the truth will set you free. That's what Jesus himself says in John. But how do you teach him that? Well, you can talk to him about, you know, um, if you touch this hot stove, we don't want you to touch the hot stove. If you touch it while it's on, it is going to burn your fingers. It's going to hurt. That's the truth. No matter how much you want to mm-hmm. <laughs> say that's not true, I can touch it, it's still going to hurt you. And we as parents were gonna would would set up rules and guidelines and, and try to do things to prevent you from doing that. But when you're free will, you could still choose to touch it. And therefore the truth 
actually is for your good. That truth is. And if you violate the truth, it's going to hurt. And any person over you has to come from the framework. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you think that, no, that red is actually nice cold coils. It doesn't matter if you think that. The truth is that's a lie. And if and we, from where we stand, because we love you, right. are going to protect you from that. So those Can are I things make a little another do. aside? Yeah. And in that example, even if you change the language and you start calling yeah, those— it doesn't matter. It, that doesn't change the reality. Those are still going to burn you. Well, that, so that's spring... still their physical property still remains hot, right? Whether you call it hot or not, whether you call it start calling that cold and cold hot, right? And so, and so, but I think that's another point that I think we have to, we have to get at because I, and this should happen, this should happen in secular circles because this is just good, this is just good logic. It's good communication. We need to define terms and not leave people in the vagueness, which tends to lend itself to <laughs> misunderstandings. I think people who don't fully understand what they believe like to stay in vague, undefined or minimally defined use of words. And so I, th- I think it's important for us if we're talking about, well, what does love mean? We've got to learn, well, we have to define it. What, what do you mean by love? And those are good. That's a good way to talk with a person who we're in disagreement with. You know, we could talk about. So I understand you want diversity and inclusion, and and to a certain extent, I want diversity and inclusion. I recognize that you're a special person, and, and that person over there is a special person, and that we all have something to add, and we all need to feel like we can be a part. And belong. The question is not that we agree on that. The question is how do we get to that? What, what's that, that? That so I think that's a reasonable way to frame a coherent and loving conversation. So let's define define what does it mean to be open to diversity. What does it mean to be able to be open to inclusion? What does it mean to be included? And so. I think it's important that we recognize that when we're talking to anybody and any good teacher should say, define your terms because words have meanings. What do you mean by that? That's always a good question to ask, particularly when somebody's maybe challenging you instead of, you know, being combative and going back, just say, okay, I really do want to understand what you're talking about here. That's what should be going on in universities. Because that's real. That's that's that is that's inclusion. I care about what you say, but here's the difference: just because you say it, or just because I say it, doesn't mean that it's true. Truth exists. So let me give you an example <laughs> that we've talked about here before in a way you can teach it. I don't know. I don't think it's. I don't know if, if American Idol's on anymore. I think it's. I think it went through another one, but you can find places like this or shows like this, or something, you can tell stories. But for those of you that have ever watched American Idol, particularly back in the early stages, people would come on, and they would sing. And, and they would be so bad that you're like, I cannot believe that they're, they're saying, not only that they can sing, but they're good enough to become the next American Idol. Somebody should have told them along the way, that's not true. And the first person that it looks like has told this person is one of the judges who says, I don't think that you're called to this. You really are not very good. And that's the truth. So we're not passing you through. Well, what you see coming out is why the person's like that. The person walking out with a mom or a dad who's saying, they don't know what they're talking about. You're going to be a star. You're great. And everybody watching knows that's not the truth. You're telling them, you're telling your daughter, your son, a lie. And so ask your kids. I mean, we used to walk out. Would you rather me be the mother who is saying on the way out, they're wrong, even though they're the experts, and you are. You have a great voice. It's, off, it's, it's awesome. 
Or would you rather me say, I don't want you to embarrass yourself and go out on national television because I love you. That is not one of your gifts. One of your gifts is over here. And so let's put aside the desire to become a rock star and let's really look at what your gifts are. And every child I've ever had, when they look at how embarrassing it is for that person to be coming out of that that thing and to have and recognizing that a person who should be telling them the truth in love is lying to them further, they all say, I'd rather you tell me the truth and have my feelings hurt because it's true than be fed a lie and continue down a path that I shouldn't be down, be going down. Find a story like that. Find an old American Idol and look at and look at that and watch just a clip from it. We used to watch that. That was a tool. So as a parent, you have to say that truth exists and truth exists about you. And what you do is not as important the fact that Jesus died for you and you have gifts and you have, this is a worldview too, every person on this planet Jesus loves. Every person on this planet has something that they are meant to do, including falling in love with Jesus, but ultimately there are things that, 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 that our gifts and talents are meant to do, and your happiness is actually in living that out. That's a worldview. It's not like I'm superior to you. My gifts are different than yours. And what I want is I want people to tell me the truth. Hey, th- these are things that you're really good at. You ought to work on that, study more on that, practice more on that. And you know what? That, that other thing that, that, that you like to do, probably not. You want people like that in your life. You don't want people to say whatever it is that you want. One of the biggest lies, you know, don't ever tell your children you can be whatever you want. <laughs> you can do anything you want. That's a lie. You, you can't. And it's not even important to know that. What's important to know is God loves you. He puts you on a planet at this moment in time. And at this moment in time, he has you here for a reason. And what life is about is discovering that reason and then fulfilling that. And that's where your happiness and joy comes from. Not that I can do whatever I want, but that I can do what I was meant to do. Does that, that makes, I mean, that's a worldview. And there's plenty of people out there telling people you can be whoever you want, which leads, which is, I mean, that's the undergirding thought process that says, you know, I know I, everybody says I'm a boy, but I'm a girl, you know, that's the undergird. I can be whoever, who, whatever I want. That's a lie. And we have to tell them that's not a bad thing. Any more than somebody telling you that that coil you're about to touch is going to burn the heck out of your hand or you know you're really not a very good singer and you probably shouldn't get in front of millions of people and sing because they're going to laugh at you. That's not a bad thing. That's a redirect. That's a, hey, you know, let's go do this or let's figure out how to do that. There's tons of opportunities in life, play a sport as a parent. If your kids play sports, you have got to be willing to tell them the truth. Hey, you're not very good at that, but you could get good at that. And this is how we do it. We need to get a coach in here to teach you, or we need to do whatever or work on that. Those are opportunities, I think, in as they grow up where you can tell them, hey, that's probably not your gift. Let's find another gift. You know, I had a daughter that like, she didn't like, she danced and she said, I don't like it. And I don't feel like I'm very good at it. Okay, let's try this. And so as parents, we need to be telling our kids, look, we're, our job as a parent is trying to get you to find the truth about yourself in light of the truth about who you are in God's eyes, his child, somebody he loves, somebody who died for him and somebody who has a plan for your life. Now, our job as parents is try to help you find that. And sometimes that may include me saying, hey, you're really not very good at that. (laughs) That's fair for a parent to say, as long as it's said 
in love and in the context of just because you're not good at that doesn't mean you're not going to be good at something else. It just means that maybe let's go look somewhere else. So this is all springboarding off of this idea of what we have in universities at these first first year experiences where they're trying to sell the idea, the reason, the way we have diversity. See, the Catholic Church teaches what about a human being? They are unique and unrepeatable. Every person that exists is unique and unrepeatable. Tell your kids that every day, unique and unrepeatable. How much more diverse could you be than to say you are unique and unrepeatable? That's the way that it's looked at. Diversity for diversity's sake is meaningless. You're unique and unrepeatable because you have a mission. God has something for you. You see the hopefulness that's brought there? I think what the schools are teaching with regard to that or why you have so many people that are sad. They don't have any meaning. It's just like whatever I, what I feel, nobody's challenging me. Nobody's calling me to something better. Nobody's redirecting me. They're just saying, you're fine where you are. Yeah. And another way that that operates is that there is diverse, diversity is defined in terms of oh, yeah. um, racial background, ethnic background, <clears throat> religious background, um, sexual identity, um, sexual orientation, okay? Um, but there's an implicit assumption kind of in the air that those are essential natures to a person, and you are never, you're not, you're not ever really allowed to step outside of the um, proclaimed kind of character or essence of what it means to be uh, black or a woman or a Latino. So if you come from that group, you must hold to A, B, and C list of grievances, goals, um, experiences. Yeah. And, and the same, and then now whiteness is being, that's, that's a category too. White, whites are their own category. You cannot step outside of that essential nature. And there are certain, you know, attitudes, beliefs, assigned to you, including uh, this idea of privilege. Yeah. Well, and, that, and, then, and then this and denial. So there's, no re- so there's no redemption. There's no redemption here. There's only vengeance. Right. And, you, and if you don't have true, you know, in Pope Benedict XVI, you know, in, on the dictatorship of relativism, says that what happens is if we can't agree that there's truth separate from us, and if we can't say that that truth is discoverable mm-hmm. and that we should all be in pursuit of that truth, no matter how much that truth calls us to change from where we are, that if we're pursuing that, then we can talk, you and I and anybody else of differing views can talk about this something separate from us, right? The minute that and we've kind of talked about this, the minute that truth becomes what I say is true, just because I say it, mm-hmm. then any any calling into question what you're saying is true is actually questioning you personally. Yeah. And when you do that, what happens is the only way that the person with an idea of what their truth is can do it, you can't argue it anymore because it's not, in something in pursuit of that's separate from us that we're right. all striving right. for, right. all you can do is power. Mm-hmm. Power is the only thing that gets you yep. your truth to be the truth that everybody has to work under. Yep. And that's why it's called the dictatorship of relativism because it requires a dictatorship to take to effectively deny that truth exists separate from me, but truth rather exists because I say it exists. And it begins to corrupt thinking and logic and coherence because when power becomes the only thing that matters, then truth, logical consistency, 
the principle of non-contradiction, Every, all mean, the ad hominem, you know, a bar on ad hominem attack. I mean, all that stuff just goes out the window because it's a it's power. It's a pursuit of cultural power. Right, and that's that's where we are, and that's why we as Catholics have to be able to number one, at least argue. And, and try to fight back counterculture that yeah. truth exists. It's not my truth. Right. It's not your truth. Right. It's the truth. And that's where we have to try to, that's really a call to, we've got to look for people of goodwill who aren't inside of our circle. So we've yes. got to be on the lookout for, you know, old school liberals, you might say, who still believe in freedom of speech, right. still believe in freedom of uh, religious expression. Um, and then, people yeah. from other religious um, backgrounds and faiths who who see the the threats of this ideology to to their faith communities. Because because really, I, and and this has been, I, I believe Saint Thomas Aquinas talks about about this, and I remember it being told to me. But it's true. The minute that that somebody does not say that there's truth that exists separate from me that we all can seek, and that we all need to try to conform ourselves to the minute that goes away, you can't really have an argument with somebody. And that's why you have where we're headed in even politics in this, in this argument, country. argument in the best sense of the word too, you, right. is yeah. what you mean. I'm trying not, to make, I'm trying to, not, yeah, like a, not like not right. a yelling disagreement, but an argument no, where here's I why, lay out my logical, why do I believe what I believe and why do you believe? Mm-hmm. And then you start talking about those things and you're right. not attacking you for believing you're talking about the ideas. The, the ideas. You're talking about the ideas because how does that idea coincide with, line up with what is true and that truth is discoverable and it is separate from us? That's, a, that's, that's how, and you've got to teach people, particularly when you have somebody who at least will acknowledge that, you do have to make, because those people are our friends ultimately. Because if they can say, I don't agree with you on this particular teaching, but I do believe that there is an answer out there, and it's separate from what I believe, it's the truth. Right. And you can have a discussion with somebody like that. What happens when you don't have that is you have people who are doing things that have no argument, no thought process, no, here's my logic, it's just... I'm going to yell louder than you, yeah. or I'm going to embarrass you, or I'm going to do whatever. They're not talking about the issue. <laughs> They're attacking the person yeah. because that worldview says that person and his truth or her truth is standing in the way of my truth. And you hear, how, I mean, that's nonsense. You can't operate in a world that looks that way. Yet I'm telling you, as I mentioned, I turned on briefly the Kavanaugh hearings back. I heard a senator say over and over again that this lady had told her truth. Like, well, her truth is, I'm walk carefully, effectively unimportant. What is the truth? Now, her perception and the way she feels, that's important. We love her, and we, we're concerned, and she may be telling His memory, truth. her memory. What I'm saying, it's the way, it's the way that we talk, but it bothers me that, that again, that, that when he says she told her truth, to say anything against or to say is, is an attack on her. Yeah. That's Not, what the language is that The is language creating. Is, is creating, it's me against her and whoever's in charge, instead of what is the truth. Right. That's where we're, we're, we're in the middle of this. This is already, the cat's out of the bag. Well, no, we're at the beginning of this. No, we're at the beginning of it, but it's out of the bag. We know it. We're at the beginning of it in terms of now they're saying things that I don't think 10 years ago would have ever been said. They're using words that would never have been said. And we have to be smart enough to recognize and train our kids when we hear something like, tell your truth. I'm not interested in telling my truth. What I'm interested in is discovering the truth. Yeah, that's way different than um, saying, well, my side of the story is X. But let me say something else. This is making, bringing, to bring it back to parenting, in my mind, 
this also is an example of why I, I must I must avoid uh, as much as possible saying it's this way because I say so. It's this way because I'm your father. Uh, now there are times where that's what you have to 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 do in a moment because maybe of of time constraints or maturity of the child. Um, or the, situ- or the grand, situation, you know, dangerous. grand complexity of the topic, or the situ- whatever. But whenever it's whenever you can avoid doing that, and instead draw them into conversation of, here's why what I'm saying accords with the truth, and, and that might sound crazy to take little things it is in the family up to the level that, like Trey's talking about, but I think. I think that's what you have to almost do because that's how you model that way of thinking, that way of moral decision making, that way of of uh, yeah, we, critique. We of as Catholics, culture. we as Catholics, and we and we can't stand in arrogance on this. We as Catholics have access to the fullness of the truth in the person of Jesus Christ. We have that. We have access to that. Doesn't mean we always follow it. No, it doesn't. As in fact, that's in, how we measure. Catholics. That's how we measure it. That's how that's that, and that's our reminder that we're we are um, sinful. What, what were you talking about with the kids again? I, I oh, that I need to, as much as possible, avoid saying it because is this so. way because I said so, or it is this way because I'm your father. Because here is a truth: we are made, we are made to be attracted to what's true. We 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 want to know the truth, and again, I think that that's part of the reason why we have so many problems with people is we're denying that truth exists. Yet, are we're meant that truth exists separate from what I say is true? Yet, there's something in us, I think, in in our human nature that says, "I know that I can't be the author of truth." I mean, they know that as a, I can't do that. Well, in, in some ways, we're what we're seeing be constructed before us is a Frankenstein of Catholic belief. It's this. It's a whole new system of truths and dogmas and doctrines, but it's it's cobbled together and it has problems with its premises and it has logical inconsistencies and it's this it's this Frankenstein monster right and so I, I like you said we don't want a Frankenstein monster we want a person to be a person they're drawn to the truth that's why you don't say because I said so very frequently and if you do you go back after they've responded with yes sir yes ma'am whatever you say you go back and explain to them why that was the case so that they can see the truth, the truth that I care about them. And the reason I'm saying no to this is because of that. The truth that I care a bunch about you so much so that I might tell you to not do something that you want to do because that's in your best interest. The truth is not your enemy. It's your friend. And so we have to, as parents, be able to go out and tell our kids why we do something, which again points us to the fact that there is a way to determine, is this a good act or is this a bad act? Is this right or is it wrong? Not to tell them, don't worry about it. Whatever you feel like, just do it. But that's what we're telling people. And it's and, and when you look at this first year experience article in the name of trying to, com, you know, all inclusion is they're saying the way to include people and to foster diversity is to deny that any truth exists separate from the one truth that no truth exists except for what I say. It's, it actually refutes itself ultimately, but that's a whole nother show. So, um, but I, I, what I want, what we wanted to do on this show was with regard to this is say, look, there's a way that you, build everything you do with your children from the time they're little all the way up is you you have to tell them the truth you have to let them know that it's not mean to tell them the truth and then you have to couple that with love 
and show them I love you. And the reason I'm telling you, the reason I'm telling you not to do this or you're not good at that or whatever is because I love you. And then use examples. American Idol could be the example. Use the hot stove example, whatever they are. Use those things to point to the fact that, yes, truth exists. And sometimes people who are in certain circumstances or certain positions of authority like you, like we are as parents, we have to intervene because it's in your best interest, not because it's ours. And so, anyway, hopefully it's helpful not to too what esoteric or <laughs> but uh this is a b- big wide-ranging topic we didn't even get into that any article close. discussing uh the bureaucratic um self self-interest that's that's at work here and how it you know that's it's an industry really well i think that i think a good a good verse would be uh don't have in front of me but i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to me except by the Father. That's in John. Um, But anyway, always remember, pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you, and he will. God bless you guys. Pray for us. We'll pray for you.